0: Welcome to the Beyond Sunday Podcast, where we bring Sunday home. Join us as we dive deeper into First Baptist's weekly sermons, discuss practical applications, and answer your questions. Hello and welcome to the Beyond Sunday Podcast. I'm Jordan Upton, and with me as always is Pastor Jeff Reynolds. Jeff, how are you doing today?
1: I am slightly jet-lagged. Keep waking up at 4.30 in the morning and can't do anything about it, but Uh. that's okay. Okay. Um, and still riding a high of having been in the Holy land for 13 days with a, an amazing group of people and getting to see sites that, uh, many of which I didn't even know to look for. Um, but doing great, man. How are you?
0: I'm great. I'm great. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. It's great seeing those of you who are returning from Israel because like Moses, all of you are glowing a little bit. So. Well,
1: that's kind of what we were praying for yeah. that, that, that 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 opportunity would come and and would not only be a blessing to us, but be a blessing to everyone, so.
0: Yeah, yeah. So a little bit of housekeeping, listeners. Uh, It is time to find a new prayer partner for the Prayer Partner Initiative, if you have not found one. So this may find a new prayer partner that you can pray for daily and connect with weekly. Uh, As Jeff has said before, it was a blessing studying with you, and I'm excited to be studying with TJ here now. So, oh, awesome! Very yeah. cool. Yeah, very yeah. cool. Yeah. I'm
1: I'm a little behind since we've had the trip. I haven't haven't connected yet. So, yeah. Um, God bless you and TJ and your in your uh, prayer partnership. But it was such a joy to get to uh, not only model that for everybody through this through this avenue, but also get to to pray for you and know you were praying for me every single day. That was a big deal. So thank you for that.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, and I'm going to throw it out there just as a. Uh, a note. So according to the Jewish reckoning, the Ascension Day is next Tuesday. So I'm saying this now because it'd be next week, you know, it would have been after the podcast for next week goes out. But um, according to the Jewish reckoning, which is counting from Passover to Pentecost, um, the 40th day will be next Tuesday. So I'm excited about that. It's, uh, I'll bring it up because I I feel like it's something that, you know, we, we talk about and we talk about the Ascension, but it's, it's, fun having a particular day to remember that on and read the text on. yeah um, yeah so
1: that's really cool. thanks for pointing that out to all of us because that's a, that's a great thing to remember. Uh, the Ascension often gets overlooked but the fact that Christ bodily ascended to heaven uh, gives us a whole lot of truth to consider and reminds us that it's a real place uh, where where there is real matter because Jesus has real flesh and bones that are there right now.
0: Yeah, and that's a little bit of a transition into what we're talking about today, because we're talking about Joshua, uh, but you also mentioned how the place where this event happened that we're going to talk about is also where Elisha crossed over with Elijah, Elijah ascended, and then Elisha crossed back over. Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, ascension imagery going on here. There's a whole lot. So we'll dive right into Joshua three fourteen through 4, 7. And those flowing down toward the Sea of the Arba, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off, and the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until the nation finished passing over the Jordan. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man. And command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priests' feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God, into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Okay, so Jeff, in this passage, Joshua assumes generations are going to ask, what do these stones mean to you? Yeah. And then he shares how to present the preceding story. Um, I I connected it with something that Rabbi Jonathan Saxon pointed out, that even before the 10th plague had happened in Egypt, Moses was telling the Israelites, told them three times how to tell their children about the Exodus that was coming hours away, but hadn't happened yet. Right. So why is framing the narrative of salvation so important to the prophets?
1: I think it's important because this is going to be, from the viewpoint of God, this is going to be a lasting story that has to be taught to generation after generation after generation. You even go to the Shema. And Moses is is telling in Deuteronomy chapter 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then it goes immediately into instruction about how to pass this information on to the next generation. In other words, this is not supposed to stop with you. You are supposed to be a bearer of this story, introducing the next generation to God, by telling the stories of what God has done. Um, interestingly enough, in every hotel we stayed in, there was on the door a little container yeah. that exactly was was containing the law as the Shema mandates. And so every hotel we stayed in, people were like, what is that? And um, it's just amazing to see that What was communicated so many years ago is still, even if it's just tradition, is still being passed forward. And so you will see this all throughout the Old Testament, Um, looking forward by looking back. And that's what you have here with memorial stones. We look back and see God's faithfulness so that we can look forward and expect God's faithfulness because that's his character and that's who he is.
0: Yeah, Jeff, and as you mentioned in Deuteronomy 6, right after the... Giving of the Shema, uh, Moses explicitly says again when your son asks you in time to come, What is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Moses proceeds and says exactly what you should say. Then you should say to your son, We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. I'm fascinated by That and this this whole idea, and I I referenced Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. He he was the one that pointed out that three times before the Exodus, Moses told them how to talk about the Exodus. Yeah. And then here in Deuteronomy again, he says, "Here's how you do it. Um, Your children are going to ask you about it. Here's what you say." Yeah. Uh, It just fascinates me that there's this set answer that's given like right off the bat, and it's all the way. Back to Moses, and it's carried forward, like you're saying, with the mezuzahs, the yeah. um, the little boxes on the door frames. Um, those, you know, tell Jewish people specifically how to um, remember what was done for them. But then, as Christians, I mean, this, you know, we have the same thing. Um, I I like the uh, I like the Jewish saying that you're not trying to just have Jewish children; you're trying to have Jewish grandchildren. Yeah. So that uh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So the idea is like you're not just you know reading the bible to your kid hoping that something will take root it's like you're investing in something that's going to outlast you in how you invest in your children yeah yeah, yeah.
1: well and we mentioned elijah and elisha in this particular stretch of water that that we talked about on sunday um, when elijah asked elisha what do you want me to do for you what did elisha say he said Give me a double portion of your spirit. In other words, Elisha asked for a spiritual inheritance because he understood what was most important. He'd given up his life. He had killed the ox oxen. He had burned the plow. Um, big barbecue before he, he left that life. Yep. But um, he understood what was most important. And I think for us, it's easy to forget what's most important, that the, the spiritual heritage that I leave is much more important than any physical heritage that I leave. And we think about, you know, oh, I want to leave my kids a good inheritance. I want to make sure that their needs are met, and I want to make sure that they have what they need to build the life that, that I would love for them to build, always a little bit better than the life I got to live, and all those sorts of things. Um, and that's great, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if we, if we do that to the failure of seeking to leave for them a spiritual heritage— then we have missed the mark on the biggest influence we are to have in their lives. And the other thing is this. uh, If we fail to tell the stories of how God has been faithful in our lives, we are missing one of the greatest ways that we can pass on that spiritual heritage. You know, it's it's very important to have your kids in church. Very important to do Sunday school and to do children's ministry and to do youth ministry. Very important to worship together as a family. Uh, I absolutely affirm those things, and my family is involved in all those things. But I also realize that the time that my children have with Lauren Parrish, who is our minister of children, or TJ Renfro, who is right now our interim minister to students, um, is tiny in comparison to the time that they have with me. And so my responsibility as their parent is to pour into them that which matters most and You know, I'm teaching my son, hey, here's some techniques in football and teaching my daughter, I'm coaching my daughter in basketball right now and um, those sorts of things. But if I fail to convey to them the faith that I have that is the result of God's grace and the result of all the ways that God has shown his grace to me, then I have failed in the most important thing that I'm supposed to do for them.
0: I think the question that I've been trying to formulate as I've been thinking about this podcast is, what are the ways that we, as Christians, pass on our faith through our children to the next generation?
1: I think that's a that's a great question, and there are some things. Of course, there's there's no you know in Scripture there's no we'll do A B C and D and it'll happen. Right. Um, we're talking about human beings who have the ability to freely decide who have a sinful nature of their own, um, who are going to sin and fall short of the glory of God, because the Scripture doesn't say some have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So recognize that we're dealing with human beings. But some of the things that I have found profoundly effective is just being real about the faith, So I want I want the Word in my kids. I want them to be exposed to the to the Word of God. I want them to read the Word of God. Um, That did not start when they were born by reading them necessarily passages out of Joshua chapter three. What it started with for us was singing. You know, there's so many ways that uh, God uses song to write his word on our hearts and so we sang some songs that have been sung down throughout the ages I mean, the first song that i taught my son was holy 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 and he couldn't say his l's real well so he would sing holy 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 (laughs) and it was the sweetest thing but i can remember getting him dressed on his changing table and i would sing holy 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 lord god almighty early in the morning my song shall rise to thee and uh and what is that doing? Well, it's teaching some foundational principles so that from his earliest memories, he's got those things embedded there. Of course, we, we've had the Bible storybooks and the storybook Bibles, and, and we build into family traditions um, the stories that matter. So in other words, at Christmas, yeah, we've got all the things, but we focus on Advent. And every Sunday night, we gather around an Advent wreath in our home, and we have our own little Advent celebration. It always involves laughter. It always involves singing. It always involves usually a fight every week, you know, of who gets to light what candle and read what passage and pick what song and all those sorts of things. But nevertheless, what we are doing is focusing on, it's cliche to say, but what is the true reason for the season? Mm -hmm. And on Christmas Eve favorite thing to do. Um, here at church, uh, usually read the story of Christmas from Luke chapter two from my dad's Bible. And then at home, I read the story of, Christmas, Luke chapter two from my wife's dad's Bible. And we do that before they go to bed. And that's just a central part of what we do. Um, Easter, same sort of thing. I mean, one of the traditions that we developed started with you uh, because you led us in that Passover Seder. So we started um, when COVID hit and we couldn't have a Passover Seder. We did our own Passover Seder using the materials that you gave us. And what that has kind of morphed into is... Every Good Friday we have a meal that includes lamb and we get grape juice and drink it from goblets and um now this year it was lamb with baked potatoes and green beans you know so that you don't find those um but uh, uh it's still recognizing the continuity of the story we go back and talk about Exodus chapter 12 and then we see how Jesus is our Passover lamb and then how that 2000 years later still informs what we do every single day. But then there's one other thing I'll say is this. um, Praying with your kids. Pray with your kids. Um, We don't do it perfectly, but typically uh, pray with kids every morning before school. Uh, We pray, of course, at any meal that we have. Uh, We pray before bedtime. and, um, And then like in the middle of the night last night, my daughter came to the room. She had had a bad dream, so I took her back, and you know, we talked through the dream, and then I prayed with her um, that God would help her to realize what was real, what was not real, and all those sorts of things. And I told her that's what I have to do because I have bad dreams too, um, and so you have to kind of put your mind around it and say, "Lord, help me, help me to process this." And so, so part of it is living out the faith as we go along. How do I live out my faith when I play sports? How do I live out my faith when I'm in school? How do I live out faith when there's relational conflict within my friendship group? How do I live out my faith when things are going great for me? Um, And just really being intentional about talking about those things. the other thing we're doing with our son, and I'll let you know how this goes, um, he's getting close to driving age, and I have mandated that he has to read the whole Bible before he drives a car. Mm. And, uh, and so um, that, that has become um, some incentive for him that I've built into it, but also um, it's become a reminder of, hey, time's getting away. So um, I've helped him make it all the way through Genesis and Exodus, and, and uh, I'm like, dude, You've, you've made it through two of the longest books in the whole Bible. Uh, go read Ruth real quick and knock it out. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's so, um, so really, it's very important to me that before they have that freedom of being out and having to make independent moral decisions more than ever before, that the Word of God is at least planted in them. doesn't mean they're going to listen to it and pay attention to it, but it's planted there. And I want to make sure that that's there. So those are some of the things that we're trying. Um, but again, you know, just like me, my children, your children, they are human beings, and they they are sinners in need of a savior, just like I am. And so there's got to be grace as well.
0: That's beautiful, and that's great advice. The follow up question is looking more at personal practice. So on Sunday, you referenced. Recording spiritual landmarks in your own life. Yeah. So, so what do you mean by that? That that sounds like a great practice.
1: Well, I'll tell you. Um, I never really thought of it that way until I was on a retreat years ago, and they actually gave me a piece of paper and said, "Draw the journey of your life as a road." Well, you don't think about it um, until you're asked to do that, and and it's not, you know, just a flat, straight even steady road. I mean there's there's twists and turns and curves and highs and lows and everything else. So kind of drew that out and they said at the points where you had changes in direction or the points where you had highs or lows or curves or whatever what caused that curve? Label that. So we actually had to draw it. And I mean it was so eye opening to think back to those moments that I knew you know, for all of us, the spiritual landmarks are not things we have to think real hard about. I mean, they're there. We know they're there. Um, but to to sketch that out um, gave me a whole lot of perspective on how my life of faith has been within the context of my larger entire biological life Um my growth in, in faith is not always up and to the right. I mean, you know, we would want it to be, but it's a journey. And there are days when um, I'm growing better than than I might be growing other days. And there's days when I feel like I'm taking one step forward and two steps back. And so um, kind of cataloging those spiritual landmarks on paper was a, was a big first step for me. But then recognizing, as I mentioned, you know, there are so many things in my office that if I take the time to look at them and remember the story that is associated with them, there's a reason they're there. And the reason is always God illustrated his faithfulness through whatever event it was that led to this artifact that's in my room. So, so one of the things that's in my office is a clock that was given to me. And it doesn't even work. Uh, I'd put batteries in it. The ba- it doesn't work. But it's this beautiful, ornate clock from Iran. And where did I get a clock from Iran, and why does it matter? Well, many years ago, we had a man come to our church who was studying at Western. He was from Iran, and he was of a different religion. He was a Muslim. And he came in one day and said, I want to know about Jesus. So he and I went to the prayer room right here which is one floor below below where we are recording this right now and I got to share the gospel with him and he made the decision to repent of his sin and trust Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Well, that was problematic because in his family that's not okay, no. you know. You you don't leave the Islamic faith. And so He wanted to go forward in baptism and he was baptized here and we celebrated him. And then the next thing he wanted to do was to get copies of the Bible in Persian that he could send to his family, some who lived in Iran and some who lived in other places around the world. So, you know, I don't make a practice of buying Bibles in Persian, so we had to go looking and we found some and we ordered them and we got them and we we shipped them to his family members and and he wanted to share his faith with his family. Well, the time came for him to move away. He went to a different place within the United States. And I'm very self-consciously not mentioning his name. And this has been years ago now. Um, but he, before he left, he brought me that clock. And he said, I just want you to have a token of my life and my background. Um, and man, every day I go in my office and I look at that clock and it doesn't tell time. It just sits there on a shelf. But it sits there on a shelf to show the miraculous power of Almighty God who led a student from Western to the corner of 12th and Chestnut because he had questions. And then we went to the prayer room, and we just talked about Jesus and the message of the gospel. And this young man came to Christ and followed in the obedience of baptism and, and then became an evangelist immediately, taking the word to his family that did not believe in Jesus. And it's just a reminder of the power of God, um, and what God can do in a life. So that's just one story of one of the things, and there are so many things in there um, because God has just been faithful. So I find for me, just like God commanded them to take rocks out of a dry riverbed um, that was supernaturally dry, what well, may not look like much to somebody else, but when you remember the story of God's faithfulness, man, what an impactful thing! So. You know, in, in your life it may look like, you know, I've got this this thing that is very important to me. And you know, I know it's important to me. I don't tell other people why it's important to me, but go back and remember the story of why it's important to you. What memory does this artifact evoke? And and how does that memory tell the story of God's faithfulness in your life? And then the next step is this. How can I share that story with somebody else? You know, I just told the story of the clock. And, and it gave me goosebumps to tell the story of the clock. So it blessed me to tell that story. But I bet it blessed our listeners too, mm-hmm. because you see God's hand revealed right here in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Um, it's pretty profound stuff.
0: It is. So that'll take us to today's listener question. Listeners, if you have a question, just go to the description and click the link in the description or comment on the post below. So Jeff, did you have a favorite moment on your trip to Israel? And we got to limit it to one. We gotta limit it to one for oh the time goodness. remaining.
1: I don't know if that's even possible. <laughs> so I have a ton of favorite moments, but the thing that comes to mind, so I'll just go with this one. So the last night we were staying in Tiberias, and Tiberius is right there on the Sea of Tiberias, which is the Sea of Galilee. Um the last night we were there, I had gone down to like the the party section next to where there was a marina and all the boats and jet skis and, and the the carnival and popcorn and slushies and all that stuff but then on the other side so if you go back to where my hotel was and went the other way there was a recently developed um, area that's just just nice shoreline just concrete steps you know you kind of like nashville down by the river just really really nicely done Um, and i just walked along the sea of galilee and night was falling, and I'm looking out, and I'm looking at the lights of Tiberius, and then I'm looking over, because one of the things you see when you're there is it's just so much smaller than you think. I mean, it, it's a lake. Um, and I'm looking over at Magdala as it lights up in the evening, and I know somebody from there. Her name's Miriam or Mary. We call her Magdalene, Mary Magdalene. And I'm looking over at Magdalene, and I'm walking next to the Sea of Galilee, and <laughs> It was our last night there, and I walked next to the Sea of Galilee for five and a half miles. And I'm going to tell you why. I just kept going back and forth. I'd go to the end of the path, turn around, and come back, because all I could get in my head was, as Jesus was walking along the Sea of Galilee, and I'm thinking— I'm doing exactly what Jesus did right now. How how often can you say I'm doing exactly what Jesus did? Where Jesus did it, mm-hmm. and looking out over the water upon which he walked, um, feeling the breeze that comes down and stirs up the water that would be stormy water. You know, if if the breeze had gotten even stronger, but there, I mean, it was just unbelievable to be there and to be in. You know, I'm walking down the shoreline that's, that's just shoreline, no concrete, nothing, and, and, and just thinking this is what it was like. And you would see these little towns. Now, they didn't have electrical lights, but I'm sure they had fire that um, they would have lanterns and oil lamps and things of that nature that would begin to illuminate and be dotted around the Sea of Galilee. And just to know that that's where Jesus was and that's what Jesus did, I couldn't stop So eventually it was like, I got to get up early in the morning. i am got to go back. We're leaving in the morning. I got to pack my suitcase, all those sorts of things. Um, But walking along the Sea of Galilee and thinking of seeing Simon and Andrew and James and John mending their nets, for they were fishermen, and hearing Jesus say, follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men. That was a moment I'll never forget. And uh, among a host of other unforgettable moments. That's the one that came to mind when you asked the question. So let me say this again: I think you, <laughs> and, and, and the "you" is in plural here, um, should go to the Holy Land. I, I think you should make it a priority. And based on some of the folks that uh, that went with us, um, one couple said, "I wish we had just done it." Yes, it's expensive, and yes, it's time away, and yes, it's all those sorts of things, but Oh, what a joy and what value would have come from having done this 30 years earlier. And so I just want to encourage everybody. i, I encourage everybody at the gym this morning. Mm-hmm. You got to go. You got to go. So uh, I'll have more information on how that dream might become a reality at some point in the near future uh, in f- future podcast episodes. But um, yeah, what a blessing.
0: Listeners, stay tuned. We'll have more details in coming episodes. (laughs) Jeff, can you pray us out for today? Yeah,
1: let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a real God who functioned in real time and real space to bless the lives of real people, and you're still doing that today. So we thank you that your spirit is here among us. We thank you that you have come That You have so loved us that you gave your only begotten Son, Jesus, who died on the cross and rose again from the grave, who ascended unto heaven and one day will return. Thank you that you have sent us your Holy Spirit, that all of us who trust and follow Jesus can be filled with your Spirit, that we have become the temple of Almighty God. And so, Lord, let us function accordingly. Let us live by the faith once for all delivered to the saints, and let us live out the faith once for all delivered to the saints in a way that glorifies you, and in a way that blesses everyone you bring along our path. Lord, we're just thankful. Thankful for the opportunity to continue to learn and grow and love and become more like Jesus, for it's in his precious and holy name that we pray.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our channel. To submit a question about Sunday's sermon, the Bible, or walking with Jesus, click the link in the episode description. Our hosts today are Pastor Jeff Reynolds and myself, Jordan Upton. Our engineer is Elliot Beckley and our editor is Chad Walden.